Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. I want to welcome uh, Jake and Carol Lee. Can we give them a round of applause just to welcome them? I've known Jake. Uh, since I was nine, so about uh, 15 years now. Um, <laughs> no, no, I've known him for 45 years. Yes, uh, yeah. And Carol wow. came to live with us. I don't know how old I was then, but came to live with us. Carol was raised in India as a missionary kid. Uh, they are working in Uganda uh, with Reaching Africa's Unreached. And we have the special privilege of hearing a message from the Lord through Jake to us today, uh, and so I'm just going to not take any more of your time and turn it mm. over to you, and then there's going to be a table out there. Jake and Carol are going to be out there. Jacob, I call him Jake, but y'all can call him whatever. Uh, <laughs> they're out there, uh, and I'd love for y'all to connect with them, both how to pray and be on their newsletter, but also maybe sign up to go to Uganda and definitely support them financially. Uh, so, Jake, I'm going to turn it over to you, my brother, thank you. and thank you for, for uh, bringing us the thank word you. this morning. Thank you. And uh, Carol. Thanks for being here. All right, Jake's all yours. Thank you. The freaking family is very, very precious to us. It's good to see Bobby here. We go back all the way to 1977, and um, it is just like bringing back such wonderful memories. And Scott was quite a character when he was nine years old. Yes, (laughs) he was. He's really turned out well. You're blessed to have him. It is an honor to be with you this morning, to be worshiping with you, uh, to be singing praises with you. Um, The first thing I want to do is I want to bring you greetings and blessings from the Uganda brothers and sisters and the Sudanese brothers and sisters that we work with, that we worship with, that we're proclaiming the gospel with. They always say, Jacob, send our greetings and our appreciation back to our brothers and sisters in America. And so I want to be faithful and do that. You have brothers and sisters praying for you here. Much gospel work needs to be done in the States, right? Amen. Each time we come back, we see things changing and changing. But the gospel is alive and well here, and we praise God that there's churches like Hill Country Fellowship here doing the gospel work, and it's a little bit overwhelming. I'm used to preaching in a village setting, uh, not having light shine on me, so please excuse me if I get a little frazzled. I'm going to try to proclaim God's word uh, the best I can. I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. And my prayer is that God would stir up a flame in you for getting the gospel to those who have little to no access to it. Amen? So first thing I want to do is I want us to read from God's word the passages that I'm preaching from, and we'll get into those. So, Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. This is Jesus speaking. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then 
he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Let's, God, let's ask God's blessing on this time. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you uh, for the love of, of the Lord that has been given to us. And I pray this morning that you would open our eyes and give us understanding just as you did to the disciples in this passage that we read about. Pray your blessings upon all those that hear your word. I ask that you would help me and strengthen me by your spirit to speak it faithfully. Lord, I pray that all that is from you would rest deep in people's hearts. All that is not from you this morning would blow away like the dust in the wind. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I, I was studying this passage, it's one of the five great passages on the Great Commission. And I've kind of overlooked this passage from and, you know, centered in on Matthew and, and Mark and John and Acts 1-8. And as I started thinking about Luke 24, I was just grabbed by it again and again. And the thing that I really noticed was this passage or this section in verse 45, and it says, he, Jesus, opened their minds. He opened their minds, the disciples' minds. And as I was studying the passage, this idea of openness throughout chapter 24 was brought to my attention by one of the commentators that I looked at, and that's why my message is called The God Who Opens. For in chapter 24, we see in verse 12, the open tomb. In verse 29, we see an open home. In verse 31, we see open eyes. In verse 32, we see open scriptures. Verse 35, we see open lips. Verse 45, open minds. And then lastly, in verse 51, open heavens, as the heavens open up to receive Jesus. And so my prayer this morning is that the Lord would open minds and hearts today, your minds and hearts, my mind and heart, to Jesus' call to his church to reach the nations, to proclaim this gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins to the nations for his glory and for his honor. As we know, Jesus has commanded us to reach all the nations. And we think about nations, and I know this is a mission-minded church because I see the maps. And as we think of nations, we can't think of political nations. The word there is ethne, which means peoples language groups. Uh, so when we, when we read nations in the scriptures, that's what we need to think about, our na nations, ethne. We see in Revelations 5, 9, we get this future vision of what heaven's going to be like. 
It says in Revelations 5, 9, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. So those four components mean everyone, every people group, every group in the world is going to be there with us. We got to taste a, a little bit of that this morning, didn't we? But we're going to be together in heaven with every nation, people group, worshiping the glorious God whom we serve. Isn't that wonderful? God's original plan, his original commandment to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. His glory and his image in man was to fill the earth. God's promised blessing to Abraham was to bless all the nations. Remember that in Genesis 12? His plan was to bless all nations. God's gift of redemption was to be open to everyone. Even though in the context of history, God initially chose the small nation of Israel to experience his loving kindness and grace, we see as an affirmation that there are no closed doors to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we begin in verse 44, we, we begin with that word, then. He says, then Jesus said to the disciples. And so in our context here, when we see verse 44, we look at then, we have to look back to see what was happening at that time. And, and when Jesus said then, it was when he was appearing to the disciples. They were meeting together. They were discussing things about what was happening. He appears to them, and he says, here I am. Touch me. See that I'm real. He even eats a little bit of food with them. And so the disciples were discussing. What were they discussing? They were discussing in chapter 24, we read earlier, the two guys that were on the road to Emmaus, and who happens to walk up next to them? Jesus. And they're talking about it, and he said, Jesus, what are you talking about? Oh, haven't you heard what happened here? And he goes on and listens, but then he says, and he begins to open their minds and their understanding. He said, you foolish people, did you not know that this had to be fulfilled? And so those disciples were talking about that because in the beginning of chapter 24, we have Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is raised from the dead, and the women come, and he's not there, and angels say, he is risen. And then they say to him, do you not remember what he told you? And so here in verse 44, Jesus is repeating what he had been saying to the disciples all through his ministry. And so we get to hear that, hear that message repeated for our benefit here. Um, and so he starts off and he says, there's three divisions, all that was written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, which really means all of the Old Testament, Everything that was written was written about Jesus. Amen? It was written about Jesus. And so it was written. I think that's an important point when I see that there. That's important because written means it was reliable. It wasn't just an oral recounting. It was a, a written, reliable thing that was there. And we see that Jesus is, is stating to his 
disciples that the scriptures is about him. And we know, as we look at the scriptures, the whole meta-narrative of the Bible is God's story. It's his story. It's not our story. We're prone to make the Bible all about us, but the Bible is his story. And so I want to really key in now on verse 45 because I think it really has implications in our sharing the gospel here wherever we live and throughout all the world. Verse 45, it says, Then, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Jews who knew the scriptures. And throughout his time with them, he had been teaching them about himself and his missions, but they just didn't understand. They just weren't getting it. Luke 18, 31 through 34, it says it was hidden from them, and they just didn't grasp it. I've been there. It's been hidden from me, and I just don't get it. I don't see it. And so we see here that importance of God opening our hearts and our minds. I think it was... The British preacher D.M. Lloyd-Jones who said, scriptural truths are not learned, they're revealed, or our minds are illuminated. So the Spirit of God has to come in. We can get knowledge, but until he opens our minds, we don't understand. And of course, this doesn't negate study. Second Timothy says, study the scriptures to show yourselves approved. Scott, I'm sure you study before you come up and preach, Right? Amen? And so that's the means that God uses, but it's, we have to understand as we study, it's not study alone. The Holy Spirit must be active in opening our hearts and our minds. When you're reading and opening your Bible in the mornings, praying, God, open my mind, open my heart. We find prayers throughout the scriptures. Uh, Psalms 119 says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. Paul prays uh, in Colossians, he says, and I saw from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we must be always praying as we open the scriptures, open my eyes, open my eyes. Uh, Paul prays in Ephesians for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so the point being is that we are lifelong needers of God's revelation. I remember one believer saying, I read the Bible, I got it. I said, mm, no, no. I've been reading the Bible for a long time, and I'm still not getting a lot of it. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. And then, just an extra little plug, I'm getting to this later, but there are people all over the world that don't even have a Bible to read. They need that revelation brought to them. And so we preachers and missionaries and teachers, even parents, grandparents, whenever we're witnessing, whenever we're speaking, we need to be saying, Lord, open eyes, open eyes, open eyes. If we're listening to the Word of God, if we're reading the Word of God, we say, Lord, open my eyes. Give me understanding, or else I won't get it. I need you to open my eyes, please, Lord. This is so true, especially when it comes to the lost. The lost. When, when Paul was in Philippi and he was preaching in Acts 16, one who heard us they were preaching was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Then listen to this. The Lord opened her heart 
to pay attention. Hallelujah. My personal example, I grew up in a, a Christian family. Uh, I grew up going to Sunday school, Bible school, all through my teenage years. And then there was later in my teenage years, I just kind of went my own way. And I remember distinctly when I was 20 years old, that was 47 years ago, by the way. <laughs> I still, but I still remember this. I had problems sleeping. And so I said, what should I do to make me sleepy? I thought, oh, I'll just start reading the Bible, and I'll go right to sleep. <laughs> a couple months later, I was driving down a gravel road in St. Olaf, Iowa, in my 1969 Dodge Charger. Ooh, wow. You guys, it was, I wish I had that car yet. <laughs> Playing my eight-track player, everything. Um, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was a country road, no ambivalent lights, nothing out there. I just had to stop the car. I opened the door. I saw the stars, and I stepped out of my car, brothers and sisters. I stepped out, and I saw those stars, and I said, Lord, I know that you are real. And the tears started coming from my eyes, and I said, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe it. I know that you'd have, and I believe that you were raised from the dead for me. For me, I, I don't want to follow my ways anymore. I give my life to you. I will, and I said it out loud there on that county road, I will go and do whatever you want. I will go anywhere. And my life just went this way. I had the knowledge, but it wasn't open to me until that night. We have opportunity. God has blessed us with opportunity for a number of years. I had opportunity to meet with sheikhs and imams in a, in a district where it's the Oringa tribe. They're primarily Muslims. And the door was open, and we had dialogues. Uh, I was able to share Jesus from the Bible, and then they would share Jesus from the Quran. And so we had this kind of back and forth. The Lord opened the door. I was sharing. It was the first time... I stood before them, my, if I would have had a tight t-shirt on, you would have seen my heart going, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I just said, Lord, you must do the work. You must do the work here. And we were able to meet many, many times. And there was one, I'm not going to mention his name, one sheikh who had been trained in Saudi Arabia for 14 years who faithfully listened to those dialogues. And the Lord opened his heart. He's one, only one that's been saved, but I'm trusting for others. But the Lord opened his heart, and now he is in that same place sharing the gospel and leading other people to Christ. So God opens. He opens our hearts. Now, what did Jesus give them understanding? He said, thus it's written about me. He said that the Christ should suffer. What is that? The cross. Jesus took upon himself the punishment of our sins, the sin that I deserved. He took that upon himself. Romans 3.25 says, For God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And then he said the third day he would be raised from the dead. That's the resurrection. This is the bedrock of the gospel message, the resurrection. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again through a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1, 3. 
Then there comes this important conjunction, and that. Whenever we see the so that's and the and that's and the therefores, we have to take special attention to that. So he says, my death and resurrection and that repentance for forgiveness of sins. And so here we see the gospel call is to call the call to repentance and for uh, forgiveness. And repentance and faith and forgiveness, they go right together. Repentance is a turning away from, from sin and faith is turning towards. It's taking a different direction. I think Paul's words in Acts 26 are really helpful in this. This is where he's recounting the third time his Damascus Road experience. He says that Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to Paul, I delivered you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn, repentance, from darkness to light, faith, and from the power of Satan that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God is calling you. If you're not a believer here this morning, God is calling you to turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Amen? He's, he's wanting to do that in your life and put you in a place among God's people. Forgiveness gives us back relationship. I often like to use the illustration, um, Carol and I have been married for 41 years, and so we still, every once in a while, get in some arguments. Okay, I'll say it nicely. We get in arguments. And then, guys, you know, when you get the silent treatment, it's like your back is, is to each other. There's no words. And then when I turn around, or when she turns around, and I say, please forgive me, please forgive me, what happens? relationship is brought back. That's the purpose of forgiveness. We, are, we had our backs towards God. We trust him and we're turning around to God and we have relationship again. That's our call. That's our message that we should be speaking forth because then the next word is, is proclaimed. It's, what is it supposed to be? It's, it's supposed to be proclaimed to all the nations. And that word proclaim literally means to announce. It literally means, brothers and sisters, open our mouths. We can't witness or share the gospel without opening our mouths. There is, you know, this is a wrong quote, but St. Francis of Assisi sometimes is quoted as saying, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. He never said that, by the way. But preaching the gospel words are always necessary. They're always necessary. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we don't do good works. Titus uh, 2.14 says good works are supposed to be zealous for good works. Because what good works do is they adorn, they dress up the gospel. And so that's why we at Reaching Africa's Unreached, we do the water wells, we're teaching agriculture, we do some medical work and so forth, because those things go together. Often in mission circles, it's, it's sometimes a fight, it's, it's, and it's not an either or. We preach the gospel, we do good works. It's a both and type thing. And so we have to open our mouths. And he said, proclaiming, it's beginning in Jerusalem. Not staying, it begins. Those sheikh friends, most of those sheikhs are good friends, by the way. They say, Jacob, Jesus was a great prophet, and his ministry was just to the Jews. I said, no, look at, look at Luke 24 here. 
you begin in Jerusalem. And so we have to go out from there. Remember in the days of Babel, Genesis 11, the people of Babel said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky that will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Then what does, Gen- what does God do? In Genesis 11:4? he says, then, then the Lord scattered them. Now, in the beginning of the church after Pentecost, we know the disciples were called to go to the nations. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. By Acts 8, they still hadn't done it. A great persecution comes after Stephen is preaching. He becomes a martyr. And persecution then did what? It scattered the believers. Acts 8, 4 says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching or proclaiming the word of God. Luke 24, 47, right there. So, according to the Joshua Project, there's about 17,000-plus nations in the world. Of those 17,000-plus nations, there's 7,000-plus that are considered to be unreached. That means they have little to no access to the gospel. And I think there's a clarification that I need to make here. Sometimes when I'm back in America, people ask me this question. All lost people need to be reached. Amen? Do you have lost people in this city, in your community? Yes, they need to be reached. But when we're talking about mission, mission work, when it, the term unreached, I want you to think about it in a different way. This means people who have little to no access to the gospel. They don't have people like you living close to them. And so there is, there's seven, almost eight billion people in the world, and a little over three billion are in this category. Now, that's just not right. It just breaks my heart that over 3 billion people have little to no access to the gospel. And it goes against what God promised to Abraham, that all the nations would be blessed. What are we to do? We're to listen and obey. And when we see in our passage here, this is so encouraging. The heavens were open, and when Jesus ascended, what did he do? He promised to send who? The Holy Spirit to what? Clothe them. That means to empower them, to equip them. And so the disciples were given that clothing, and that equipping and clothing has been given where else? Right here to y'all, brothers and sisters, to me. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of empowerment as well as knowledge and understanding, wisdom, counsel, and love, and of sound mind. This is so encouraging to me. If I, I, I would not be where I'm at if the Holy Spirit wasn't there. I guarantee it. I would not be able to stand before those shakes if the Holy Spirit was not there. I would not be able to, to go and even leave. Carol and I have been married for 41 years. We have three children, nine grandchildren. It's the Spirit of God that's empowered us just for the desire and the, the unction to be able to go. That's a Leonard Ravenhill word, right? Unction. And heard that since Leonard Ravenhill. Uh, and so that clothing and empowerment is with you, brothers and sisters. And there's, this is the challenge I want to leave with you. The question for you today, how are you going to grow in being a part of reaching the nations? I know that you are. My challenge to you is how are you going to grow in that? Because we're either growing 
or we're going backwards, right? That's one thing I've learned in my life. I'm either going forward. There's no standing still. We're either going forward or we're going backwards. And so we want to grow in getting the gospel to the nations. All that is necessary has been given. I'm completely like the, in the video, Isabel Kuhn, who was a missionary in, in southeastern Asia. All, we have enough resources in the church today with people, finances, technology to reach every people group, all these unreached people groups in our generation. We, we can, we must, we must. We're called to go and be fruitful and multiply and make disciples of all nations. And then we see the disciples' response at the end, verse 51, was a response of what? Worship, joy, one of your themes, joy, and blessing God for being a part of God's plan. We get to be a part of doing that. Amen? We get to be a part of blessing the nations. We're pointing people to Jesus who will bless them and fill them and empower them and heal them and cleanse them and bring them into relationship with our Lord and Savior. The waiting part was the disciples. It's not ours. The clothing and the empowerment of the Spirit is yours right now, brothers and sisters. The time is now to reach the billions who have no access to the gospel. I know looking out here, some of you are physically called to go. I'm going to add long term. <laughs> long term. Some of you are called to go. If you are, talk to your pastors, to your leaders. I'll be happy to talk with you afterwards. Come visit us. Come see visit and, and see the Sudanese. And we have over 800,000 refugees that have come into our area. But that's been an opportunity to get the gospel into Sudan as we train them. All of us are called to pray and give and go. Lay up not treasures in heaven. Amen. The harvest is great and the labors are few. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us. We thank you that you've opened our hearts and our minds to receive the gospel of grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the love that you have lavished upon us. Lord, I did not deserve to have my eyes open, but you chose to do it. Grace is unmerited, and you have given it to each of us, Lord. Help us not to be selfish with the gifts and the blessings that you have given us. Help us to go forth from this day forward, wherever we're at, every day, every chance that we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to have a desire that the nations be reached and to do everything that we are called to do, whether it's to go physically, to pray, to give, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we look forward to that day when we will be in heaven with every tribe and people and nation and tongue worshiping you. For you are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You have raised us from the dead. You have sought us and, and given us new life. And we will be forever grateful. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.